Hello, and welcome back to For You and For Me, a new way to listen to Monsignor Kieran Harrington's homilies. This past Sunday was the third Sunday of Easter. In the Gospel reading from Luke chapter 24, we hear of the risen Jesus' appearance to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Monsignor begins his homily by likening us to Clopas's unnamed traveling partner. We, like the travelers, often can't see God in the moment. Our view, our relationship with him, is obscured and obstructed by the worldly things we worry about. Monsignor then speaks about the true cause of suffering and the realities of how we deal with suffering. How is it that we, people of faith, approach a problem differently to those around us? How do we have the courage to do the things we think are impossible? The answer to these is through faith. Finally, Monsignor lets us know what the real difference is between a wizard and a priest, and why that matters for all of us. In addition to being the third Sunday of Easter, it was also brand new parishioner baby Evelyn's baptism at the Co-Cathedral of St. Joseph. Monsignor Harrington has a habit of picking up the newly baptized during his homily. It's very cute and endearing, but also covers up the mic, so apologies in advance when it gets a little fuzzy at the end. I couldn't help but uh, notice something. Do you mind if I pick up Evelyn for a second? Let me just put this back in my bag. You know you have a baptism in Brooklyn when the baby is wearing Chuck Taylors. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, a brief thought about the scriptures. St. Uh, Luke, I, I love this passage of, in St. Luke's Gospel because I think it, it certainly resonates with me very, very much, right? The, the setup is very easy. <clears throat> First thing to note, Clopas is named, the other person isn't. A lot of people have speculated that the other person is the wife of Clopas. And so, in fact, in the Holy Father's prayer cards, uh, he has an image, an icon image, of the man Clopas and this woman, who is unnamed, and Jesus. And so that would seem to make a lot of sense, given how many women come to church, right? Being much more religious than men and that it was women who stood by Christ at the side of the cross. So we think about it, but unnamed, which is interesting, right? Clopas is named, she is not named. Others have speculated that that unnamed disciple is really a literary form for you or for me, that we're that unnamed disciple who are on the road to Emmaus. So then let's think about what's happened here. How is it that this, these disciples do not recognize Christ? And I would propose to you they don't recognize him. Why? Because they're in overwhelmed with grief and disappointment. And think in your own life how when you have money problems or family problems, think if you have problems at work, whatever problem, difficulty you may have with your health, a challenge in a relationship, how that can obscure your ability to see where God is. Sometimes when you have retros when you can stand in retrospect, you can say, okay, now I can see where God was, but when you're going through the crisis, it's hard to see God. So that's what's going on for Clopas and this other disciple, right? They're walking along the way, Jesus is right in their midst, and they can't see clearly. And so the question is, in your life and in my life, where are those moments where I cannot see God acting? 
It's important to identify that moment. See, how is it that I cannot see God in this particular circumstance that I'm facing? The death of a child, an illness that I'm experiencing, some catastrophe or crisis. Where is God, and why could I not see him in that moment? Because a lot of times you'll hear Christians use words which are really kind of offensive. One line that you'll probably hear a lot, maybe you've heard it yourself when someone died who was close to you, is God only gives the hardest struggles to his best warriors. Or God doesn't give us suffering we can't handle. You've heard these expressions? Yeah, this is crazy. Never say that to somebody when you go to a funeral. God does not give us suffering. God does not give us pain. God is not trying to put us into crisis. That happens because of sin. Sin puts us into crisis. The challenge is for you and for me is to see that Christ is walking with us, and sometimes we can't see it. He's giving us his grace to bring us from this moment of crisis to a moment of glory. And so it's important for you and for me to see how is it that I have not recognized God in certain moments of my life when in fact he was right there. Of course, this is epitomized in the poem which many of you have probably read Footprints. Secondly, we think for a moment about what happens as they are walking. Jesus is speaking, their hearts are burning within them. In other words, the pain and the suffering when they have faith is being alleviated. This is what happens when you have faith, right? When you have faith and you start to see a problem with the eyes of the faith, of faith, it changes the way in which you approach the problem. Consider suffering. Who here has suffered? If you've suffered or you know someone who suffered, you can look at suffering and say, it's terrible, it's meaningless, and so therefore put them out of their suffering. Or you can say, I know that my suffering is redemptive. How many people here, when they are, when they are having their first child, if you've had a first child, you think to yourself, is everything going to be okay? I'm concerned I'm going to have a child with Down syndrome. And so what does someone do? I test for that. And then there's a question. Can I take that child into the world? In fact, there have been studies that are saying that children with Down syndrome are disappearing. They're not disappearing because they've cured Down syndrome. Those children's lives are being terminated in their mother's wombs. What's the reason for that? I can't deal with suffering. I can't deal with suffering. I can't deal with that problem. In other words, that's a problem. I can't deal with it. In fact, for many people today, children are like accessories. You got your Louboutins, you got your three kids. This is the problem for many people today. Children are not seen as my sacrifice for my child. It's that my child is supposed to give me happiness. It's completely the reverse of where we are as a society. And so for a minute, we can think about how is God speaking to me in the midst of suffering? How is it that I, as a person of faith, approach a problem differently than those who have no faith? That I can see a child with special needs as wonderful and transformative of my life and those around me. Work for sure. Anxiety risen, absolutely, but yet beautiful 
nonetheless. See, the disciples, because they have faith, Clopas and this other unnamed person, their hearts are burning with them. And when does it reach its crescendo? The crescendo is, of course, in the breaking of the bread. Because we believe, you listen to what we're saying at Mass, the word of the Lord. Each time we say the word of the Lord, don't we? So what do we believe? The word of the Lord, the word becomes flesh. That moment where the word becomes the body and the blood, the soul and the divinity of Christ. That's what the Eucharistic celebration is. And what's the purpose of that? Notice that we receive the Eucharist so that we then go out into the world. A lot of times, a lot of times people say, I got to receive communion to make me feel better. The truth is, is that probably in the Western world, far too many people come to communion too often. Let me, as a suggestion, if you haven't been to confession in a year, I suggest maybe you say, it's time for me to not go to communion until I go to confession. I'm not telling you not to come to communion, but I am saying it's time to go to confession. It's time for me to recognize that I'm a sinner. I have to be able to articulate my sin to see that I am then a redeemed person. This is really what is a challenge. And that's what happens for Clopas and the other disciple, right? Because they believe. They fundamentally believe when that bread is broken that that's Jesus Christ. It transforms their life. My question is, do you? Do I? You know, uh, when, when I was here for a few years, there was a moment for about eight months where I was saying Mass every day and saying, I do not know if I believe this. Every day I would elevate the host and I would look at it and say, I don't know if I believe. That's kind of frightening if you're a priest. But the fact is, is we all go through those moments and the challenge is, is, is do I believe? Do I believe? Because here's what happens to Clopas and the other disciple. They have the encounter with Christ and then they're not getting out of Dodge. They're not running away and going to Emmaus. What do they do? They turn around and they go to Jerusalem. See, that's what faith does. Faith doesn't make you run away from whatever problem it is. I'm sick and I'm suffering and I don't want to suffer anymore, so they're going to end my life for me. I cannot deal with a child with special needs. I cannot make this financial sacrifice for someone who is poor. Faith gives you courage. Faith allows you to do that which you think is impossible. That's how the disciples turn around from Emmaus and head back to Jerusalem, and they testify to their experience of Christ. And so now, the three questions that you and I must answer together for ourselves is, have I been able to see Christ in the circumstances of my life? What are the circumstances in my life that obscure my ability to see where Christ is present? It's that moment where there's a crisis. Can I see that God is there? And then once I've seen that Christ is there, did I feel his presence? And did that presence transform how I was struggling? And lastly, what was then the risk, the decision that I was able to make to head back to the place of the cross without great fear? Why? Because I know that I am being 
guided, and he is with me, Jesus Christ. This is the challenge of the story to Emmaus. Today, this little girl, Evelyn, is the example for us. She's the example of a life that is transformed. Right now, she's Antonina and Jordan's daughter. But in a few moments, she will become a child of God. It's important for us to realize that not everybody is a child of God. God loves everybody, but what makes us his child? Baptism. Baptism is what grafts us to the body of Jesus Christ, who is his only son. And the inheritance, which is the son's, which is eternal life, is given to those who share in his life. That's the moment we celebrate today. Sacraments must have importance. Otherwise, I am just a wizard or a witch. This is not magic or simply a transformative moment, a cultural moment that's being marked. What we're celebrating is that this little girl's soul is marked forever, forever for Christ. And her life now is forever changed. And how is she going to do that? She'll be able to learn that from the example of her mother and her father and from her grandparents and from you and from me. Faith for us as Christians is not a solitary event. It's not Kieran or, and Jesus. It's not Evelyn and Jesus. It is all of us together on this road of faith as we testify to what Christ has done for you and for me to one another. May God bless you. As Monsignor recommends, I think it's time for a trip to the confessional. For You and For Me is brought to you by DeSales Media Group. Please subscribe in iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. You can tweet comments or questions to the Twitter handle at MonsignorH. For Monsignor Karen Harrington, I'm Dave Plisky, and these are his words to live by for you and for me.